well, backing up to the beginning of verse 10, he said, He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Unrepentant sinners will be separated from God's presence relationally forever. Relationally. In other words, no fellowship, no communion with God. You know, it's hard for us to imagine what that will be like because even before we got saved, we experienced what the theologians call common grace. What does that mean? It means that God even blessed us who were unbelievers because he's a gracious God. Jesus said he makes his sun shine in the fields of the righteous and the unrighteous. He causes his rain to fall on the fields of the just and the unjust. Paul the Apostle said, I think when he was in, what was it, Thessalonica or Athens, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. Unbelievers don't even realize that right now, even though they are not born again of the Spirit, they still are living in an environment where God's presence dominates. Everything that is good in life, joy and happiness and peace and love, all of that comes from God. That all emanates from His character. And even before we got saved, we knew those things. We experienced those things, love and joy and peace and, and, and all the things that made life, you know, worth living, family and things like that. What would it be like to have an existence where there is no light, there's no love, there's no joy? I'm talking none. I'm not talking you're having a bad day now. I'm talking every ounce of joy and peace and love and fulfillment and happiness is completely removed. You're living in an environment completely, totally devoid of anything that comes from God. That is a horrifying thing to think about. And unbelievers who are cast into the lake of fire, they suffer eternal separation from God in the sense of fellowship and communion. The Bible calls it spiritual death. Physical death is when the consciousness of a person uh, is separated from their body. But spiritual death is when the conscience is separated from God. Now, that does not mean that they're going to be separated from God's presence in the sense that he won't see them. Because there is nowhere that we can go away from God's presence, right? God's omnipresent. David said in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I descend into hell, you are there. So it's not that God is not going to see these people in the lake of fire. I mean, right here in in verse 10, it says... These folks are going to be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. But they're going to be completely cut off from all that is of God. It's kind of like the rich man, remember? The rich man of Lazarus. Lazarus was obviously a believer, even though he was very poor and riddled with disease. The rich man was very wealthy, had the finest that life had to offer. Eventually both men died, Jesus said, and the angels took... Lazarus, and they brought him to Abraham's bosom. Now, we're going to talk about Hades, Abraham's bosom, and all that when we get to chapter 20. But the angels carried Lazarus to paradise, where he was comforted. And the rich man, having lifted up his eyes, you know, you close your eyes in this life. The next thing you see, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, is an eternity with God or without God. 
The, un- the rich man did not know the Lord. So he opened up his eyes after he closed them in death. He opened them in the afterlife. And here he was in Hades in torment. And he could look across that giant gulf and see Lazarus comforted in Abraham's bosom. He could see it, but he couldn't enjoy any of it. He was completely cut off. And Hades, as horrible a place as that is, which is in the center of the earth right now, is only a temporary place of incarceration. It's not hell. Hell is the lake of fire. As bad as Hades is, Hades is going to be cast into the lake of fire someday. Now, the idea of a literal place called hell where there will be eternal torment, is not something that's very popular today. It's never been popular, but people have tolerated this truth in our country for years. But today, it's not only not popular, it's not politically correct, and you'd be amazed how many churches are lining up in their politically correct madness to embrace things that are not godly, like homosexuality, and to jettison doctrines that are biblical like the doctrine of hell. And I think one of the reasons they do it is because they can't get their minds around this. It's too horrible, and I agree. It's a horrible thing to think about, that people who don't receive Christ in this life are going to be cast into Hades until the great white throne judgment, and after that they're going to be cast into hell for eternity. It's it's hard for us to even get our minds around it. It's so horrible. And I think because it's so difficult for people to come to terms with it, most people fall into one of three categories with regard to hell. First of all, they ignore it by living in denial. They they say that hell is just not a real place. It's interesting that a survey was taken a few years ago. said 76% of people surveyed believed in a literal place called heaven, but only 6% believed in a literal place called hell. So people just deny its existence, number one. Number two... They try to get around it with various doctrines that downplay the eternal nature of the suffering of hell. One is annihilationism. Another is universalism. Annihilationism, which has been embraced by the Jehovah's Witnesses and other groups, says that, well, when a person dies apart from Christ, they are cast into the lake of fire, but as soon as they hit the lake of fire, they burn up and go out of existence. They're annihilated. There is no eternal judgment. They just go out of existence. Because it's just too horrific to think about a place where people will be judged by burning fire for the rest of eternity. Others have embraced something called universalism. Universalism basically (coughs) teaches that, you know, in the end, God is going to save everybody. Because God's love. And I guess unless you're the worst kind of sinner, you're going to be saved. No matter, because God is not going to send you to hell. He's, He's too good. Some people even teach that have embraced this that the devil himself is going to be plucked out of the, you know, he's going to be kept from the fires of hell because, you know, God is a God of love, and so even Lucifer himself gets a pass in the end. Now, there are other doctrines that kind of try to skirt this whole reality, but let me say this to you. These are more wishful thinking than they are biblical doctrine. You know, I would love to teach annihilationism or universalism, but see, those would not be keeping with scripture. I'd love to tell you, you know what? The people that we know and love that didn't receive Christ before they died, you know what? They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They're going to burn up, go out of existence, and that's going to be it. Because I have a hard time coming to terms with the reality of an eternal place of suffering called hell, too. I believe it. It's just hard to come to terms with it. But I wouldn't be faithful 
in teaching the Bible if I didn't teach what the Bible says on this issue. So some deny it. Others just try to get around it by wishful thinking. Number three, they joke about it. You know, they just joke about it. You've heard people say, I'd rather be partying in hell with all my friends and bored in heaven with all those hypocrites, you know? I'd rather be part. Yeah, hell, fine, because I'll be with my friends, you know? We'll be partying down there instead of, you know, sitting on some cloud playing a harp forever. That's boring. Well, somebody said, you want to party in hell? Okay, get yourself a gigantic bonfire going and then jump into the fire and see how much partying you want to do. Again, the ignorance of people. This is a very serious issue, and they're making jokes about it. I think the main reason that people have trouble with the eternality of hell is because they can't reconcile it with the concept of a loving God. And the idea goes something like this, so the reasoning goes, if God does exist and he's a God of love, then hell can exist because a God of love would never have created a place like hell, much less send people there to suffer for eternity. And that really is the reasoning. But I think primarily... The number one reason that people uh, refuse to believe in a literal place called hell is because, guess what, it's just easier for me to dismiss the existence of hell than to get my life right with God. You know, if I want to do my own thing, if I want to live in rebellion to what God has said, I'm going to want to do with impunity. I'm I'm not going to want this guilt hanging over my head that someday I'm going to have to stand before God and pay for those sins. So if I just deny hell, if I write it off... Then I can go out and have the freedom to just live any way I want. You know, without any guilt or fear, I'll just, you know, pretend hell doesn't exist, stick my head in the sand, and just say, no, it's not real, and so on and so forth. And then people go out and they basically live any way they want without guilt or fear. I've been to a lot of funerals in my years. Many I have done, and many others I have just been there as a just somebody paying respect to somebody I knew who passed away. And you've experienced this too, I'm sure. You know, when you talk to people, you know, that knew the person who has died, you know, and they'll tell you things like, well, you know, George is in a better place. You know, oh, he had that cancer, but he's, he's at peace now. He's not suffering anymore. You know, and I don't want to be that blunt, so I, I really have never done it. But I'm thinking to myself, well, was George saved? Because if George wasn't saved, I got news for you. He's not in a better place, and he's not at peace and comfort. The problem is people don't really take hell seriously anymore. If they did, they wouldn't be so glib about it, right? They would be more concerned about, you know, about going there and, 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 and the possibility of spending eternity there, so they would, they would want to make sure that they were right with God. But let me say this to you. People can joke about hell. They can ignore it, dismiss it, or try to get around it by saying it's not hot, it's not eternal. It doesn't matter what you and I or anybody else says about hell. It only matters what God says. And God had quite a bit to say about hell. In fact, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. In fact, he talked about it more than heaven or even love. You realize that Jesus Christ talked about hell more than he talked about love? Why would he do that? Because he loves people. And he doesn't want to see anybody go to hell. That's why he kept talking about it and warning people about the reality of it. Because he loved us so much, he didn't just tell us what we wanted to hear. He told us what we needed to hear. 
unlike a lot of churches today who are not, not telling people what they need to hear. And many churches today are no longer preaching about hell. It's too negative. In an effort to keep things very positive and upbeat, to keep people coming in the doors and to build large churches, all negative things are, have been deleted from the teaching. I'm, I'm convinced many of these pastors in these liberal churches don't even believe in hell at all. I think there are evangelical pastors who believe in it, but don't preach it because they don't want to offend. They want to keep things kind of positive, you know, keep people coming in the door. If they start preaching on hell, maybe they'll offend some people and people won't come back. And if that happens, how am I going to pay the bills on this massive mega structure we're trying to support and so on? Do you realize that almost all evangelism today is based on God's love? You say, is that wrong? No. It's not wrong to talk about God's love. But you know what? Again, if you study the book of Acts, which is how the church began, how dynamic it was, and how many people were getting saved, do you know that you won't find one sermon by Paul or Peter or anybody else that preached that offered salvation to people based on God's love? It was all based on coming judgment. Basically, flee the wrath to come. People are sinners. They have violated a holy God's standards. And although he loves them and wants to save them, if they don't repent, he is going to have to judge them. You know that Jesus Christ was the first hellfire and damnation preacher? Now, he didn't do it like a lot of these guys on television do it. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, what they're selling, I don't want because if it makes me like them, I don't want any part of it. I mean, they act so goofy and so weird and running around and yelling and screaming and sweating and spitting when they're preaching. I mean, they look like they got some, they look like they got a demon, some of these guys, right? <laughs> Honestly, Jesus Christ preached the reality of hell. He did it in love. He wasn't, you know, yelling and screaming and all that. He, but he did teach the truth in love. He taught the truth. And he had an awful lot to say about hell. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, he said, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting or eternal life. And he, he was in that passage contrasting the righteous with the wicked. How the righteous were going to inherit ever, everlasting life, the wicked were going to inherit everlasting punishment. And notice in verse 46 of Matthew 25, he actually, as he brings it to a conclusion, mentions both in the same sentence. And he says, hell is eternal and heaven is eternal. He didn't say heaven was eternal, but if people get cast into hell, they go out of existence and that's it. He said, these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so here he talks about both heaven and hell and says that both are eternal. And we see this in Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. Let's read them again. Where it says, He Himself, the person who receives the Antichrist mark, shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of His indignation. Listen. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in His image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. What a horrifying thing to think about. These folks who 
take the Antichrist mark are going to drink the wine of God's wrath full strength and be tormented with fire and brimstone. Of course, fire and brimstone are often used in the scriptures to you know, symbolize God's judgment, how he rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah, wiped them out. Other places, God talks about judging nations using fire and brimstone. And it's just, uh, it, it says to us that these people are going to be uh, tormented for eternity with fire and brimstone. It speaks of ceaseless infliction of unbearable pain. The noun form of that verb is used in Luke 16, 23 to describe the agony that the rich man suffered in Hades. Those who drink this cup of God's anger will know no lessening or diminishing of their torment. They will enjoy no moment of rest throughout all eternity. Because it goes on to say the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. I think that when churches removed the preaching of hell, they removed the greatest motivation to be saved you could ever have. If you remove the message of judgment from the gospel, you reduce the gospel from a rescue mission message, right? You know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. When people are lost at sea, they dispatch, you know, a rescue team that goes out on a search and rescue mission. Well, when you remove the preaching of hell from the gospel, you take away all the motivation for people to get saved. Unless, of course, they respond to the love of God, which many will, but however, many more will not. Look, I don't care what gets you into heaven. Whether you're loved into heaven or you're scared into heaven, Either way, I don't want you to go to hell. No, I don't want you walking around always breathing out, you know, hellfire, damnation message. You know, try to love people into the kingdom. But the hard ones, the obstinate ones, it's okay to scare them. Jesus did, all right? And the other apostles did as well. And those who say that hell is not eternal, well, the angel right here would have a, uh, a dispute with them, okay? A, a disagreement because... This angel said that hell was a place where the smoke of the torment of those who are cast into the lake of fire goes up forever and ever, and there is no rest day or night. Now, this is not a message that's unique to Revelation. This is a message that's consistent throughout the entire Bible. I'll give you just a few. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Daniel says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So he's talking about the two resurrections, which are separated by a thousand years, by the way. The rapture is the resurrection of the righteous, happens before the tribulation period, and the resurrection of the unrighteous happens at the end of the thousand-year millennial kingdom when the unbelievers are resurrected from Hades, stand before the great white throne, and are sentenced to spend eternity in hell forever. But Daniel tells us that these who awake, some of them to everlasting life, some of them to everlasting shame, and contempt. Matthew 3, verse 12, John the Baptist said of the coming of Messiah, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat, the unsaved, excuse me, the saved, into the barn, into heaven, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, speaking of unbelievers who are going to be cast into hell. But again, nobody taught more soberingly or clearly about hell than Jesus did himself. 
He spoke about hell being a place of eternal fire, Matthew 18, chapter 25. He spoke of it being a place of unquenchable fire, Mark 9, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. He talked about the the eternality of hell. I know some would be thinking to themselves right now, yes, but I still can't get my mind around how a God of love could send people to a place like hell. Well, let me read to you what Pastor Ray Steadman said on this issue. He said, Yet I submit to you that there is no contradiction in the Scriptures or in God's character in the matter of wrath and grace. Throughout the Bible, we see that God's love is freely available to men and women everywhere. And at all times, over and over, we see God pleading, pleading with mankind to accept the escape from judgment that he has made available by the sacrifice of his son. Well, isn't that what he cried out through the prophet Ezekiel? He said to Israel, turn, please turn from your sin. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. He said,